on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. I was a 20-year-old underage soccer referee and the abuse and threats of violence reached a stage where I thought it was no longer worth my time, effort or commitment. The abuse was everything from threats to meet me in the car park afterwards, to being called a wanker, to being called even numerously a fucking cabbage. Everything and anything in between by parents and managers and even children at stages just felt like it wasn't supposed to be that serious, it wasn't supposed to be that at that level, but it did reach that level week in and week out and the enjoyment just slowly but surely dropped from the experience and from being a referee and I decided to give it up. Well, today on the Indo Daily, we're going to take a look at referee abuse and find out exactly what is happening on the sidelines of Saturday morning soccer games. I'm Siobhan Maguire and joining me today are Aidan Fitzmaurice, sports journalist at the Irish Independent, Harry McCann, who you just heard earlier, who was a student journalist, and Dr Olivia Hurley, assistant professor of sports psychology at IADT and an accredited sports psychologist with Sport Ireland. Aidan Fitzmaurice, you have been covering soccer for 25 years as a sports journalist. Um, What is going on with uh, referee abuse now? Um, It isn't anything new, is it? No, it's it's always been there going back to... Go back to history, you know, there's matches in the 20s where referees had to, you know, even there's matches during around the time of the rising, the War of Independence, where there was weapons involved in matches. So it's it's always been there. I suppose what's there's more focus on it now, um, I suppose, because participation is, is very high. So an awful lot more people are, are playing the game, but also social media that I suppose in the past, if there was an issue with the referee, uh, referee being on the one hand, just being criticised for decisions they'd made in a, in a game. And I'm talking local level you know, your local pitch, I'm not talking about professional or elite level, uh, you might get something shouted at you, but you could walk away and, you know, you could end your car and drove away. That was the end of it. Because of social media now, there's possibly someone filming you, so that may be posted on social media. It's probably gone into the parents' WhatsApp group for that for that team, that under-14 team, it, and that video was there. So that's 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 an added factor as well. So I suppose it's always it's always been there. I suppose it's there's incidents when, as we've seen recently in soccer, when the, the referees in, in, in particular league went on strike because of, of threats or abuse that was happening. So I suppose it's 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 always it's always been there. Um I think social media has and the smartphone has has magnified it a bit and made it a bit more serious. So if you're a referee, if somebody's shouting at you, ten years ago somebody shouted at you at you saying I'm gonna get you know where you live. No, you'd have a situation where a parent is following you, filming you, filming you getting into your car, 
you are visible on the on the screen. Uh, your car edge is visible on the screen, and you know that you don't you have no control over how many people are going to see that video. So it it is a bit more bit more scary. And this is across all kind of youth sports, isn't it, um, Aidan? So we're looking at the rugby, the soccer, the Gaelic football. Yeah, you'd, I suppose you'd, you'd have two levels. You'd have elite level, professional, or, or GAs and professional, but what, you know, as in the point in you're playing in front of 30, 40, 50,000 people. So you've got scrutiny, you've got maybe the game is live on TV or, or national TV or it's being streamed. So you have that scrutiny on you. You still have people eyes on you as a referee and your refereeing team. The other level then is the amateur, particular amateur adult or, or underage uh, boys or girls where you're at the side of a pitch. Often you're on your own, so you don't have a refereeing team. Uh, you don't have a linesman or, or, or assistant referees. You don't have a fourth official. You don't have people around you. So it can be it can be a lonely place. So there are pressures on both. If you're at a, a big game in the Champions League, in the World Cup qualifiers, in Six Nations rugby match or a major G match in the in the hurling or, or football, uh, a lot of people watching you um, and 40,000 people screaming at you. But also it can be even you know worse when you're on a, on a pitch in the Phoenix Park or any any county, any town or village anywhere in Ireland. You've got uh, people on the sideline and you're on your own and it's very it's very lonely to be to be one 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 person and you can be a fit man in your 40s able to look after yourself physically in case it goes wrong you could be a 19 year old girl who's just making her way up through the coach the refereeing ranks in both cases it can be very very lonely and very very terrifying and in terms of kind of the the sideline spats um Aiden I mean you're you, you, your own daughters are playing Gaelic football. Um, have you seen firsthand how pushy parents can be? I've seen, I haven't seen it too bad. I think it's more, uh, I think uh, certain, I think it depends on the level you're at, certain soccer, particularly the Dublin soccer leagues where there's a lot at stake um, in terms of winning leagues or things like that. So maybe parents and coaches elevate their anxiety depending on, on what's at stake. Um, I haven't seen anything too bad in terms of the games I'm at. I've seen once or twice the referees had to come over and, and tell people to calm down. Uh, I've seen he's threatening to send people to their, send people off. Now, how do you send somebody off when you're in a big public park? So the referee's instruction one time was, you're going to your car, like I'm not having you on the, on the, on the touchline. So I've never seen it really in my own case get out of hand. I've seen it just moments get heated and I would feel I would as a as a parent, I would rein in my my emotions. And I know watching sport professionally, you know how difficult it is. I know any of us can make a mistake. I've made mistakes, anybody. And I think any any I would ask any parent who is who is abusing referee uh, verbally before it gets physical, I would say, well, look, yeah, they made a mistake. And, and referees can you can have the the best training possible to a referee. You can have all the equipment. You can have people around you. You can have VAR. You can still make a mistake or not not see something. So I, I would I wouldn't let it get to me. I think you're that kind of person. But I I, I know of cases where uh, in underage games where it has got very heated and where referees have have genuinely feared for their for their safety. As I said, I haven't seen it in the games I've I've attended myself. But there are lots of cases of referees who feel who feel physically physically threatened. And I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of clips um, this morning, Aidan, and found examples like, you know, prominent actors like Ray Winston in the UK um, heading up a campaign to remind parents to, you know, not uh, insult the refs, to behave themselves a little bit on the sidelines. Listen to this, Muppet. Every week he does this, screaming and shouting at the ref. 
That's a yellow card, ref! Card him! Yellow card him! Yellow card him! How are these kids supposed to learn the game if you don't know the game? He's an animal! Give him Look a yellow card! Look at him, the ref. But he gives up his Saturday mornings to do this. Now, was it the right decision? It might have been, it might not have been. Who knows? We all make mistakes. And this has been going on for ages. Yeah, and it's not even... It, it, sometimes as well, parents can also be as critical of, of the coaches than the castle to have the referees. So you have have a dad, and I do think in in underage soccer for boys, I think it is often heightened, exasperated because there's a lot at stake, because a lot of dads, and I have to say a lot of the time it is dads, they think little Johnny or little Connor, who's playing for one of the big schoolboy teams in Dublin, their plan is to get a professional contract in England. That's changed slightly the last couple of years because of Brexit, but the dream was still there that I want little Johnny to get his contract with with Chelsea or Southampton or, or Celtic or Aberdeen. And, you know, losing this match or whatever, the performance in this game, the scouts here, this is harming him. So they, they would see the referee or the, the result of that match as a block to their dream of little Johnny going to England and becoming a professional and playing in the Premier League for 100 grand a week and playing for Ireland. Um, so the abuse of coaches as well. And co so a lot of the time, some clubs would try and implement it themselves. Uh, you know, there's real push to have a thing called a silent sideline where you don't, one voice on the sideline where the coach is the only one. And it's very frustrating for coaches, our friends who are involved in coaching, and it's frustrating for them that they are giving, I'm talking about very low level, under 12 girls, under 12 boys, not trying to win, you know, the Kennedy Cup, uh, you know, the main competition in under, underage soccer in Ireland, just for kids to enjoy a game and you've got the coach giving instruction but you've got parents shouting the opposite and I know of cases where coaches have had to say to parents Cam, I, I'm talking to you you're saying the wrong thing that wasn't what we agreed we're doing that's not the plan or also you're talking I'm trying to encourage the team you're talking to your little Johnny because you want little Johnny to play well I want the team to play well I don't really care if we win or lose I want everyone to have a good day today so there is an element of having a silent sideline where one voice on the sideline and if there is a grievance so the coach can, can go to the referee and say listen ref I think you got that wrong or that's not fair or you have a mistaken identity there that one one that there's an agreement a, a establishment of, of honour that the coach can go to the referee and say listen you got it wrong there but not to have 20, 20 people particularly dads, it's often dads. There are mothers who can lose it too. I've seen mothers losing it too, but it's usually dads who lose it. So people need to rein in. And a lot of grounds you see around there, there are these nice signs where they have, when you come in to the ground or at at uh, at the touchline, the sign saying, simple messages, this isn't the World Cup, this isn't the Champions League. They're kids. You know, just remember that. They're kids, let them enjoy themselves. Abuse is obviously an integral part of football. We we just have to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons, you know? Yeah. So like our match last week, the referee gave a decision against us and uh, Dave, I think you came up with the chant, uh, you're nothing but an Irish prick. It's just that on closer examination, I hope you'll agree that the fact that he's Irish didn't have anything to do with it. It's just that he was a, well, a massive prick. Besides, he was from Wales. So. so he was a Welsh prick. No, he was a prick who happened to be Welsh. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, okay. How about we don't even need to mention it? What about female referees, though? Good question. Okay, so I'm thinking uh, she's a female referee. She's a female referee. She's trained and accredited. Let her do her job. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Olivia Hurley, why are we behaving so badly on the sidelines? Well, that's a really good question. Um, in terms of parents and their behaviour, I think it's really important to, first of all, I think, point out, Siobhan, that when it comes to sport, you know, parents, when they go to a match or they go to, you know, kind of support their, their children, they're there 
and they they want to do it in a in a way that's positive and they do care about their children and they do want to be a positive role model for their children. Um, but I think sometimes what happens is that parents become overly invested, if that's the right way of describing it, in their in their children's sporting pursuits. Um, it's important to remember that when, you know, children are playing sport, they fundamentally are doing it to be, you know, to enjoy it, to have fun, to be around their friends, to develop great physical, mental, social skills. And we should never lose sight of that. And I think that's sometimes what does happen is that, you know, we constantly need to be given our children good role models. And as parents and as, you know, referees and coaches, everybody, we all need to be giving that kind of message to children that sport is for fun, that if it becomes work or, you know, unenjoyable, then you have to ask yourself why you're doing it. And parents need to be very careful about the kind of um, support that they give their children from the sideline in terms of, you know, you know, cheering and having a bit of fun and having a bit of enjoyment themselves, but also not putting too much pressure on the children. I mean, children in sport are, I suppose, the best way I can describe it is that it's a great vehicle to help them to develop skills in terms of coping with making mistakes and, you know, these things that we consider to be life skills. And it's difficult then when a child, if they make a mistake and they see a negative response from a parent or coaches and roaring and shouting at them, that they start to kind of associate their sense of worth and their sense of what their parents and coaches think of them as being solely wrapped up in how they perform in their sport and being perfect at that. And that's not that's not attainable. You know, parents and coaches need to be aware that referees make decisions that are sometimes they might not agree with and they make mistakes and their children are going to make mistakes when they play sport. And that's okay. That should be applauded. They're out there and they're being really brave. They're giving it their all. And that's what sport should be about. And we don't want to lose sight of that. And Olivia, do we have any idea as to what, what's going on in our brains? Uh, you know, whether we're watching um, Irish rowers uh, winning an, an Olympic medal or, you know, we're watching a, a little Mary uh, play with her 10-year-old teammates on a Saturday morning. I mean, what is the adrenaline, the endorphins, the excitement? yeah. 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 And that's the key word is that, you know, you know, Siobhan, we, we love sport because it does give us that kind of break from the kind of the work life and, you know, it gives us a sense of enjoyment. And we do get like, you know, the arousal levels go up and, as you said, the adrenaline pumps and we enjoy supporting our local teams and whatever. And it's and it's great. It's great fun. But we sometimes can mislabel then the kind of arousal levels in our own bodies in terms of increased heart rate and, you know, respiration and, you know, temperature and all these things. And it can be where we we kind of then label it as being, you know, kind of this is something that we are we care so much about that if it doesn't go according to plan, that we feel in some ways under threat. And and that's something as well with, with the children when when parents are watching their children play and they're, you know, being kind of, you know, they make a mistake or they don't agree with a referee's decision. It's like as if they kind of feel that their child in some ways might be being attacked you know, even though they're not, but they see the decision against the child's particular skill or whatever as being a reflection of, you know, their child and their child not being good enough and their child being judged by other people. And also that it that they in some ways sometimes think that it reflects badly on them as parents. 
that like, you know, they shouldn't be trying to live their own sporting endeavours through their children. Children need to learn accountability and parents by blaming a referee or screaming and shouting at referees or at other opponents on the other team when they don't agree with a tackle or a particular uh, piece of play during sport. That's really, you know, it can be really damaging to the child. The child can also view then if they aren't perfect at their sport, that the parent's love and affection is wrapped up in how well they perform in their sport. And that's exactly the kind of message that we don't want to send to a child about their sporting endeavours. It shouldn't be that, you know, my love is conditional on you being perfect when you're out on the sports field and that, you know, it reflects badly on me if you don't perform well. So it is about, again, going back to like, well, what happens when we play sport? It is that we have that rush of adrenaline. It's exciting. It's fun. But we need to make sure that we are labelling that in our own bodies, not as a threat and not as something to get angry about, but as something that is fun, is to be enjoyable, is to be exciting. And that that's what we kind of keep reminding ourselves of all the time when we're on the sideline on a Saturday morning or, you know, on a Monday night. Remembering as well that, you know, referees and coaches are often volunteering when it comes to their involvement in youth sport in Ireland. And without them, your child or your sibling or your teammate doesn't get to do their sport. Because if we have no referees and no coaches, well, then we have no sport and the children don't get to play sport. So we have to treat those individuals from the sideline with great respect because they're being very brave, but also very kind of considered in terms of their societal involvement, if you like, and community contribution by actually stepping up to be referees and to be coaches. And without them, those things don't exist for our children. So we need to treat them with respect and we need to treat them, you know, with a great, you know, sense of appreciation for the time that they're giving in helping you know, the children to actually be able to fulfill their their dreams of playing sport and the potential that they might show. Harry McCann, you love sport. You live and breathe it. By your own accounts, you'd spend all day, every day watching it if you could. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big sports fanatic. Um, I spend my weekends watching football. I spend midweek watching Champions League, Europa League. To be honest, anything at all with a ball involved, I'll sit down and watch. Um, I always have been that way. I grew up in a household where we're all quite active and, and fit and healthy. So it's something that we're all involved in and I've been involved in at many different levels. So it's something I hugely enjoy. And for me, refereeing, I suppose, was a way to stay enjoy, stay involved in something I really enjoy. And, and the idea of becoming a referee, Harry, I mean, what, what motivates one to go down that particular route? Yeah, so for me, it was interesting. I played football up until I was about 16. Um, I tore my cruciate ligament to my knee then, and that was quite a serious enough injury. It meant that contact sports wasn't really something I was going to be continuing on playing. So I decided that the best way to stay involved in a sport that I loved, as I said, was refereeing. Um, it's quite accessible. The, the course is a day-long course. You buy the gear, you get the equipment, and you get to go out week in, week out refereeing the football. You know, it's still being involved in something um, you mightn't get the enjoyment of getting to kick the ball, but you get to you know, facilitate kids getting to enjoy a game. Um, and that was something for me that was really appealing. 
What do you even do to become a referee? Like, is there a, is there a school for referees? So at the early stages and underage level, it's, it's very much a beginner's course. Um, so it's a day-long beginner's course. You go out the, the FAI, spend the day, but you're going through the rules of the game, the laws of the game, um, and then basic things like hand signals, using the whistle, all things that might seem quite basic, but I suppose are an important part of even looking the part of a referee in most cases. Um, you spend the day doing that, and then they actually give you a test, and you take the test. Um, and then each year you do a refresher course as well. So the refresher course is a fitness test and it's a test as well. And then the update modules. So what a lot of people will be unaware of is when you're sitting at home watching the Premier League or watching the League of Ireland, the laws of the game actually change each year. Um, it could be minor. It might be some really small little bits and pieces, but they do change. So we get updated modules on those. Um, and then as you move on through the levels, it's not something I reached, but they do things like School of Excellency where they bring you into the League of Ireland and then you work your way up to the levels. But for a basic referee who you'll have on a Saturday morning at your kids football game it's somebody who's taken the day course and who's then done the refresher courses each year and this is it like you know you're doing this because you love the game um you're using your own spare time to do this you're, you're not getting a huge amount of cash for it are you no like it's 30 euros a game but what a lot of people don't realize is that you know you have to get the equipment so you have to buy the flags you have to buy the, the whistles you have to buy the cards you have to buy the jerseys the jerseys are all adidas nike they're all the big brands so they're not cheap you have to have several kits because you know if you're refereeing four games on a Saturday you're going to need a couple of kits you're going to need two pairs of boots because the weather isn't always nice in Ireland and you need a lot of equipment you have to get yourself to and from the game you have to get yourself lunch in the afternoon and it, it tends to be your whole Saturday and even your whole Sunday at times it's three or four games so it, you don't get a lot of money for it but the money you get in it good referees will invest back in themselves and in the equipment to make sure that they look the part so that the kids feel like they're getting a good experience. And we heard earlier, um, you know, a, a, a brief insight into the level of abuse that you had to put up with over the years. Can you remind us a little bit more about what happened to you? Yeah, so I, I suppose I had two incidents that really were the end point for me. Um, I was one week I was at a game, um, quite a simple enough incident. The ball went out of play according to the manager on the sideline. He flagged for it. I set the play on and the ball then went out of play. As a referee, sometimes you're in a better position or a better angle to see it. And most of the time you take the manager at their word. But if you really think that you're right, you'll play on. And I played on. And as a result, I received an unwarranted amount of abuse, really, from a manager of an under-16s team. Um, and he called me everything under the sun. It was everything, as I said, from a wanker up until, more humorously, a fucking cabbage. Um, and a lot of that stuff, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll go over your head. It's not too major, but it's the threats afterwards. So it's when you ask the manager to leave, he wouldn't leave. Um, when he eventually left because I abandoned the game, he waited in the car park after for me. Um, and that was just, it's intimidating. You know, in any walk of life, it's intimidating to think that somebody's waiting for you. You know, they might want to have a stern word with you, but they also might want to assault you. And it's happened to referees up and down the country, uh, right across the game at all levels. And it's something that was quite scary for me. Um, I was relying on my parents for lifts to and from the games at that stage. So I had to wait. Um, I was frantically calling my parents, hoping one of them could come pick me up a little bit earlier um, because I was that worried. Um, and he waited, I think it was half an hour after the game um, of a kid's football match. Like I, All I think about in that situation is that there's a kid sitting in the back of their car knowing that their father is sitting on the hood of his car waiting for the referee to come over. It's, it's bizarre, but that's what happened in one incident. Um, and then the second incident was an under 12s or 11s game and an incident where a child had gone down crying. I went over, spoken with the child. 
it was perfectly fine. We had a good conversation. He was happy enough to continue on playing. And then the manager for the other side was completely erased, didn't, couldn't understand why the game was playing on. The kid was in tears. He, he was perfectly fine. I had spoken and checked with him. The well-being and safety of the children is the number one priority of the referee. So I ensured that he was fine. And he came over to me and had actually swung his flag at me. So went to strike me with the flag that I had given him. Um, and I just decided to pack it up and, and go home. And I never went back to it. And that was it. That was just the, the end point for you. You were like, no more, just cannot deal with this. It's Yeah, it's like anything you commit a huge chunk of time to. You have to get enjoyment out of it. You know, if you're going in at work every day and you don't like what you're doing, it's, 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 it's not worth your time. And it's the same thing for the refereeing. You know, I really did enjoy it. When it was good, it was great. It was a really enjoyable experience. It was great knowing that you turned up on a Saturday and you were giving the kids the opportunity. You were facilitating a game of football for kids who were having a great time, being with their friends, keeping fit and healthy. But after a while, it's at some stage you have to go, you know, for your mental health and your own well-being, sitting in, at a sideline at the end of a game, shaking in some cases because some guy has said something to you or threatened you in some way, it's just not worth it, you know. No matter how much people think 30 quid is great for a game of football, for refereeing, it's not worth that, not at all. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself with research by Tabitha Monaghan and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips with thanks to independent.ie, RTE, the IRFU and Foil Arms and Hog. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.